Who wins it? Moving fast. Westbrook as the clock ticks. Gives it to Durant. Durant, no. Put back. No. Adams, it goes. Count it. Oklahoma City has won it. Wow. Mm. The light flickers. Tell you, this is going to be tough. Yes. Call on the floor is good. And this is going to be one of those reviews that is either a win or a loss. They wave it off, and the Dallas Mavericks have won the game. That was the call on TNT for Game 2 of this first-round matchup between the six-seeded Dallas Mavericks and the three-seeded Oklahoma City Thunder. Trevor Peel here with Garrett Robertson and Ryan Wilson coming at your ears with Episode 3 of the Triple Threat Podcast, a Mass Fanatic production. Well, fellas, I don't need to ask how you were doing because after that Game 2, you can't help but to be excited, maybe a little high blood pressure as the Mavs bring home court advantage back to Dallas. But, but Ryan, what was going through your head in the final 45 seconds of that game? Well, man, um, just a phenomenal finish to the game. A lot of ups and downs, a lot of question marks as if the Mavericks are going to be able to pull that one out. Um, Felton was phenomenal down the stretch. Um, the free throws were a blunder on his part, but, I mean, just a lot of heart shown by the Mavericks there at the final. You know, the final... Four or five minutes, they're down by seven seven points. They just they kept clawing their ways back in it, and uh, and were able to pull out a gutsy victory. Yeah, was your heart racing, Garrett? As a uh, you know, as that in those that final minute or two. Yeah, I think it dropped from you know my throat <laughs> to my stomach, back to my throat. It was everywhere. I was <laughs> I was too excited. I was too sad. It was roller coaster of a time. But I think that was a really gritty performance down the stretch. I mean, how many other teams in the NBA pull that game out of their hat? I'm not. I'm not sure we can name maybe three or four at most, but overall, I mean, it was just a gritty, gutsy performance by the Mavs. And you, and as you know, bull riders say, hate to get all uh, animal analogies so early, but you just got to hold on at some point. And the Mavs just held on. They held on down the stretch and they pulled it out. I was screaming left and right, and you know, my heart. I don't think I went to bed till about midnight. And because my heart was just racing the whole time. And uh, speaking to my father, I told my stepmom to tell my dad to take um, blood pressure medicine before he watched the game because he usually <laughs> records it because I was worried about him. And he uh, he texted me this morning and said, man, I almost had a heart attack last night, which, you know, that's that's bound to happen. So, uh, But before we touch base a little more on game two, uh, let's go back since we haven't been here for game one. What a treacherous game one and disappointment. I know to me – uh, that made my heart sink. I thought this series was definitely in the washer. What about you, Garrett? Oh, it, it was hard to really scrap any positive note out of that game. I mean, maybe you could have said, hey, there's no way the Mavs shoot worse the next game, right? <laughs> but it it really just was, de- you know, demoralizing. They got, the Mavs got beaten to the ground. They beat themselves, and then the Thunder just kept pushing them and beating them, and it was just really hard for me as a fan to really think we even have a chance in this series, you know, with that type of performance. And I mean, yeah, the Thunder were clicking on all cylinders and mm-hmm. yeah, the Mavs really couldn't get it going. But I mean, it just showed how dominant the Thunder can be. And it was hard for me to rationalize with myself that can they get a game or two? Can they can they win it? Can they win even can they win anything? Really? Can they even win a possession? It was tough for me to do that. Yeah. 38 point blowout, Ryan. Uh, how does that sit with you? Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of people will sit there and say, you know, the series is over, and and, and certain Mavs fans, I, I was watching on Twitter, uh, you know, Trevor, as you were uh, hosting our our, our uh, Twitter 
uh, timeline last night during the game, but a lot of fans are like, you know, going along with the lines of saying, you know, oh, Mavericks fans quit. I, I'm hard-pressed, and anybody would be hard-pressed to find a Mavericks fan that felt good after game one. Uh, there was literally nothing you could really take away positive from it, with the exception of maybe Dirk uh, shooting okay. Uh, but other than that, I mean, really just grasping at straws, trying to find anything positive out of that matchup, and, and nobody could have expected, you know, what happened last night following game one. You know, you're right with Mavs fans kind of saying, are you quit on the team or you're bashing the team? But as fans, you know, we're, we're kind of entitled, uh, you know, to throw our opinion out there. And I'm not saying that, you know, the Mavericks are trash, blah, blah, blah. But if I feel a little disappointed in the team, you know, I'm going to I'm going to air my grievances because, you know, as a fan, we're that enables us to do that. And I believe any Mavs fan can do that until they get to the point to where they're just totally trashing the team in all regards. But back on the game too, man, I'm pumped. I'm excited after that win. I'm very pumped to see how Justin Anderson performed in that game too. He really brought a lot of excitement to that game. He's a stud, man. Um, You know, his effort, you know, sometimes you find those rookies that it's like a deer in headlights, you know, come postseason. But then there's those other rookies where they're almost too immature to really realize the situation in front of them. And I think Justin Anderson's one of those guys. Um, You know, he just comes out, he plays. Uh, you know, I saw him. He passed up on that one three-point attempt. You know, in regular season, he would have probably, uh, you know, shot that ball in the corner. And, you know, maybe he makes it. Maybe he airballs it. Who knows how that goes. But he, he drove it. He had that sweet little behind-the-bat pass to Mejri. Um, You know, he's starting to grow up. And his ability, you know, athletic-wise um, is off the charts. And he made, he made some huge plays in that game. I think that a few years from now, when we look back on this previous draft class, people are going to wonder why people pass people in GMs, I should say, passed on Justin Anderson so late. I mean, he's he's an athletic freak. He just brings so much energy to this old team who should be in rocking chairs at some points, it seems like. But looking at his stat line from the other night, uh, it doesn't reflect if you watch the game. I mean, his plus minus is minus seven, but he had six points and five rebounds. And more importantly to me, when he was out there for that 14 minutes that he was, you know, he was either – bodied up against Kevin Durant or bodied up against Andre Roberson or bodied up against Russell Westbrook. Just the effort, the energy, the tenacity, just all around, like, I'm here, I'm young, and I'm ready to get it type of mentality on defense was just mind-boggling from a rookie. When I think of Justin Anderson, he reminds me of, uh, you know, you're you're playing out um, in your local neighborhood basketball court, and there's always that one kid that no matter what gives it 100% the whole time. You know, you're thinking of having a push-around game, but there's just that one player that has to go 100% no matter what. And I think of Justin Anderson that way because you just said a stat line of six points, five rebounds, but it doesn't show of what he brought to the team of the hustle plays that don't show up on the stat line. Getting back down court, like you said, bodying up Durant, um, who shot a dismal, I believe, seven for for seven for 33, both went to the same high school. But seeing that defense from a rookie on somebody that's won the MVP, a scoring title, uh, brought his team to the finals, to see him body up against him to me was um, just phenomenal. It was great to see that from him. I hope we see a lot more from him come game three here in Dallas on Thursday. Another person I'd like to see a lot more from, played great defensively, kind of wasn't out there offensively, but you know, coming to you, Garrett, how much do you think Matthews helped and almost hurt the team in game two? Oh, he definitely he, – I think he helped a little bit more than he hurt. Uh, you could tell that he was a little winded on defense. I mean, uh, he was guarding either Westbrook or Durant the entire time he was out there running through multiple screens. 
running through a ton of moving screens by Ennis Cantor and uh, Steven Adams for sure. But down the stretch is really just where he uh, mm-hmm. he made sure he made the money, you know, with that steal and the tough finish at the end. It's the guy we got. We don't give the guy enough credit. I mean, yeah. coming off of Achilles Achilles tear, I mean, how many guys would have even started the season after that? I mean, he played the, the majority of the season, played t- tough, played hard. He bought into the system. I mean, we don't give enough credit to this guy. Yeah, and it's something that you kind of touched on, Ryan, earlier in the season, how much we're kind of paying Wesley Matthews. But, you know, and we're paying Wesley Matthews for his offensive side and defensive side. A lot of people last night on Twitter were saying he's playing great defensively. But it did, it, did it bother you at all, Ryan, to see him kind of to slack in the offensive department in game two of a playoff series? Um, you know, I think Trevor touched on it, um, you know, I think the first episode of, of the Triple Threat. Um, when we kind of touched on the matchups that were coming up and – you know, if, he, if he's constantly having to guard, you know, Westbrook and Durant, I expect there to be, you know, some some dead legs yeah. in there. I mean, he's not going to be able to hit that jumper all the time. He had, he missed a huge one. Uh, I think it was like about a minute and 50 seconds, like a wide open three. Mm-hmm. I know I popped off my couch and I was ready to freaking lose it. But, <laughs> um, and he missed it. And then Dirk missed one not, not soon after. Um, but, you know, his, he reminds me a lot, his attitude-wise, reminds me a lot of Jay Crowder um, and his ability to, you know, just be all heart. I missed that out of Crowder uh, when he left. And seeing Matthews, man, when he darted through there and got that, that fast break layup, I was about to lose it. Um, I mean, seeing him celebrate, he's just all heart. Um, but as far as the offensive side, I mean, yeah, you know, if, he, if he's missing from deep, he needs to start doing what he did there towards the end. You know, try to hit that mid-range, try to attack the basket a little bit more. And, and can he get to the free throw line somehow? I mean, try to open up your game, you know, from the inside out. We brought up Jay Crowder. And I noticed in this series, particularly in the first one, and even more so in the second game, that how important Jay Crowder could have been to this team in this series watching the Celtics, uh, him play for the Celtics through their season of series, uh, playoff series, excuse me. He's become such a great, like, just mesh guy. Just defensive-wise, 3 and D, he's going to play tough. He's going to guard the best guy when he's out there. I mean, if you could pull Jay Crowder off the bench, maybe start him now that Chandler Parsons is out, I mean, you could be looking at just another step above where the Mavs are right now, and I think it could make a, it could have made a huge difference. And it just really sucks that the guy who the Mavs traded Jay Crowder for, plus a few other people, is not even on the team anymore. So I just had to, I had to open yeah. up that wound. I'm sorry. But you know, think, thinking of Wesley Matthews, you know, I, same like, like you said, Ryan. I did say if he if he can lock down some of the players like that, like Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook, then we will find scoring in another department. We were lucky enough to find enough scoring. But I, I did tweet out last night on the Mass Fanatics. Um, Twitter page that we needed a, a little siding of Wesley Matthews in the fourth quarter, and we got it with six points. Six points was huge. We only won by uh, one point and uh, one-tenth of a second, so uh, it, it was huge. It was a huge momentum boost for the Mavericks, And but there was some harsh news that came out today uh, with Dirk being ruled day-to-day with a bruised knee, I believe, uh, bone, and so w- that means David Lee, Deron Williams, who played phenomenal after fighting through uh, a sports hernia last night, starting the game off four for four. Uh, JJ Barea and Chandler Parsons, of course, we know is out. But you know, Ryan, can the Mavs even think about a game six if Dirk is ruled out? I'm gonna let you guys in on my my view on this. There's no chance that Dirk does not play Thursday night. 
I mean, knowing his history, knowing how he, he grinds it through, I mean, look, the injury happened in the beginning of the game. Mm-hmm. He played the rest of the game. Um, they have off till Thursday. I just don't think there's any. Ch- I don't think there's any way. I think it's more or just caution right now. Um, and yeah, maybe just I don't know. Maybe they're playing games with the Thunder. Who knows? They're sure playing games with the Maverick fans. Uh, you know, they the overreaction and just reaction actually in general uh, was off the charts once that news broke. So I'm not concerned about it. Now, mm-hmm. with that being said, if he does not play, there is no chance whatsoever. Um, you know that drive that Harris had, and I think the announcers even touched on it last night. They have to guard Dirk no matter where he is on the floor. So if it's a two-on-one and Harris is dribbling down the court and Dirk's with him, the defender's got to pick, right? So he doesn't. no one's going to leave Dirk wide open for a jumper. So lo and behold, there's Devin Harris wide open. So if you can't have Dirk at least out on the floor, it's just going to shut down everything. Um, so hoping that I'm right, um, I hope that we don't even have to cross that bridge. Yeah, Ryan makes a great point there about Dirk affecting – teams on offense affecting teams defense on offense without even having the ball i mean you have to respect his jump shot wherever he is he's got in he's got in the in the building range i mean come on but seriously i think that dirk will play i I think he means too much to the city of dallas and the city of dallas and the Mavs organization means too much to him to walk away from what just happened on sunday night or monday night excuse me and just too much too, it, there's too much at stake. There's mm-hmm. too much pride at stake. Exactly. For him to walk away. I feel the same yeah. way just watching him in his his press conference saying that you know the Thunder know that we're here to play. You know we're not just a pushover. Um, and you're you're exactly right when you say Garrett that uh, this city means too much to Dirk. It's not that you know they owe him anything. I just think he he constantly thinks he owes the city and he's going to go out there and play even though he doesn't owe us a thing. He's done he's done wonders for us so far, but. I think when the news broke, a lot of people were just – they're gasping for air because they they have to report that no matter what. Any type of injuries like that, if there's a, uh, an x-ray or anything, has to be reported. Um, so whenever they say there's a knee bruise, but I think Dirk is – you know, like you said, he, he's there to play. Um, he like I, I believe what you're saying, Ryan, that there's no chance that he, he does not play unless his knee swells up the size of a balloon um, and Holger tells him not to play. He's going to be on the court no matter what. Uh, and we can expect that. I just hope that it doesn't worsen it throughout the series uh, because his team is already depleted uh, enough. And my other question really, uh, maybe coming to you, Garrett, is Deron Williams. You know, he he fought through. What did you think of his performance? It's gutsy. I mean, it goes along with my initial point about the game of just how gritty a performance of, as a team it was, but in particular, Darren Williams just I mean, I don't think we think about it deep enough how to, like, play through an injury. We always just kind of say, oh, he's got uh, a strain, whatever. He's going to play through it. I mean, if you think about it, like, you're playing with broken parts, you know? You can hurt it more. You're not the same. Uh, But to play in an NBA playoff game uh, at point guard against one one of, if the most, if not the most, athletic players in the league in Russell Westbrook, that is that is the epitome of of a leader, in my opinion. He might not be the clear-cut leader on the Mavs, but that's leadership material right there. Come on. It looks like Ray Ray, you know, Ray Ray stepping it up last night, Ryan. I mean, uh, can can he really truly be the leader and point guard of this team if Deron Williams is going to be rolled out for any remainder of it? You know, they're going to have to lean on him in some ways. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping we get some kind of magical news that Beret is back in action come Thursday or at least game four. Um, you know, I'm really hoping this extra day off 
can get some of those guys back, maybe one of them. Um, but if it doesn't mean that, then Felton's going to have to step it up. He had two big jumpers, uh, and then obviously he had that huge, uh, you know, go-ahead bucket uh, to take the lead for the Mavericks in those, in those final seconds. But, you know, can I sit here and say I can depend on him to go, you know, 21 and 11 every night? No. no. But he needs to be there. He needs to be available to hit that outside jumper if, if he's open. Uh, and he needs to be aggressive and attack the basket. And anything he can do on the rebound side of things, especially against the Thunder's size, uh, is huge. I mean, I don't care where the rebounds come from. They still got out-rebounded last night. But, I mean, you get a point guard getting 11 rebounds. He's hustling. It's gritty. Um, and he's doing his job. So, hopefully he can continue to do that. Uh, whether he will, we'll, we'll find out. Yeah, Mavericks out-rebounded again, 54-45. to 45 last night and the Thunder came away with 19 offensive boards but the Mavericks did score 17 points on 15 turnovers and I believe that's where a lot of their points should come from as OKC is almost first in turnovers in the league the Mavericks just really got to capitalize on those Um, but based off the first two games um, I'll start with you Garrett and feel free to jump in after him Ryan what areas would you like to see improved from the Mavericks we got to start knocking down the three ball. I mean, that is such a pivotal point at this in this day and age of basketball in general, but even more so for the Mavericks. I mean, there's sometimes, I know Berea's out, but there's sometimes they run out three point guards with Williams, Felton, or JJ, or you could say Devin Harris. I mean, we're playing small at the guard, so there's not going to be a lot of opportunity to really drive in and finish without getting blocked or turning it over with all those big bodies in the air. So we got to start making threes everywhere everybody has to start i mean Wes matthews i know we touched on a little bit earlier he went 0 for 7 from three uh dirk went one for three darren williams went three for five felton went one for four and then we didn't get any threes off the bench so i mean it's a really big key to winning games for the mavs is to make the three ball and yeah to touch on that too uh you know i was going to say threes and rebounding i mean obviously you know rebounding is going to be an issue um, but three is something, you know, hitting the three is something we can work on. I mean, you know, I'd like to see Devin Harris, you know, start hitting some of those little pull-up threes that he gets, or those little corner threes. I know his, his, his fingers all messed up, so it's just another injury that the Mavericks are dealing with. Um, but, you know, that would be nice to see him start, you know, hitting some jumpers. Uh, you know, some occasional jumpers from Wesley Matthews. I mean, yeah, 0 for 7, that's not going to cut it. I mean, can you, can you get one or two of them in there? I mean, I expect them to return to somewhat of a, you know, an improvement um, based on the three-point shooting when they return home to Big D. Uh, I think they'll ride that crowd, and, and we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I mean, rebounding and three-point shooting, obviously, are the two biggest ones for me. Yeah, most stats were identical in game two, except for the rebounds um, with the Thunder out rebounding them by nine. I believe my side, I, I, me, to me, I just look at free throws. Um, of course, both of, both of what you said – uh, both of you guys, uh, I agree with totally. But then again, I look at free throws and they shoot 10 for 19, uh, or just about 53% in game two. I started 0 for 4, I believe, until Dirk hit one. And that's just tough. I mean, you got to think if we lost that game by one with the late tip in, we missed nine free throws in that game, especially two with Felton that could have sealed it up. Uh, but hats off to him yep. still going 21 and 11. But man, those free throws, I don't know what either one of you think you can jump in, but uh, to me, that's just, it's been crucial. I think Mesri, um, you know, anytime he is out there, he's not, you know, statistically a good free throw shooter, you know, anyways. Yeah. So I think it's one of those things you're going to have to deal with. You're going to have to, you know, pick your poison. Mm-hmm. Um, so I expect him to miss some free throws here and there. But, yeah, Felton missing two free throws down the stretch. Those things can't happen. I mean, in, in a situation like that, I mean, 
it's just not something that we can be deal. We're you know historically we're a really really good free throw mm-hmm. shooting team, um, so that's something we've always leaned on. So we need to figure out a way to you know hit those down the stretch. And I can understand to a to a degree of how grueling playing defense against the Thunder are, but I mean it's a, called a free throw for a reason. You got to step up with confidence. You got to knock it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean. Dwight's going over. Dwight Powell's going over two in the last game. Everybody else, Measury two for four is not bad. Devin Harris two for four. I mean, we I guess we could try to get to the rim a little bit more, but I think we got to make our money on the three point line, like I said earlier. But I mean, you can't leave you can't leave easy points at the free throw line against a team with the caliber of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Do you think? Coach Rick Carlisle is maybe maybe thinking too much in his coaching scheme and kind of really out coaching himself. No, um, no, I don't think so. I think you know we talked about it. You know, last time we all spoke, mm-hmm. you know, in his matchup against Billy Donovan. I, I think Carlisle always tends to overanalyze a little bit, um, especially like timeout strategy. Like I looked down the stretch, we only had one timeout with maybe like three or four minutes left, and I'm thinking to myself. Um, in, in a close game, like, man, like, I, I know he tries to calm things down, but sometimes he overuses the timeouts in that, in that regard. Um, but I mean, he's, de- how do you deal with this lineup? I, I just don't know. I mean, I, I, he's working magic right now. I mean, yeah. I, I watched his first take today. They were blown away by how, you know, how he managed to coach that team to a victory last night. He's basically just mix and matching anything he can, you know, dealing with injuries down the stretch. I mean, it's got to be extremely difficult. So I have nothing negative really to say about it. Yeah, he's he's coaching a skeleton crew. I mean, yeah. with all the injuries, like like Ryan said, out coaching himself. I I disagree. I don't think he is. But I don't think it's it's news to anybody that Rick is stuck in his ways on a lot of things. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's bad. I mean. Uh, Rajon Rondo, hate to bring his name back up, but him and Rick Carlisle kind of got into it because Carlisle didn't want to, he didn't want to stray away from what he's always done, which in the end is the best. But I mean, he's a stubborn guy. He's not out coaching himself. I think what Ryan said about the the timeouts is definitely something that he wants to fix. But I still, I still like the advantage we have, regardless if he is thinking too much or not. You know, on the timeouts thing, too, while it's frustrating, it's, oftentimes it works, right? I mean, I guess it's like the Thunder in that, you know, at, at that state, you know, that arena, and that place can get rocking real fast, you know, and, and he seems to, in some games, have an issue calling timeouts when he really doesn't have to, and then in games where they really need needs to make the right timeout calls, he's doing, he's stopping the momentum. You know, if you ever look, you know, they come back from a timeout, the crowd's died down a little bit. You know, they might miss a jump around the next position and things are completely calm again. So rather than, you know, having this lineup deal with that, that, you know, that crowd and that noise, he, he sometimes finds a way to, to calm that down. And it really does work from time to time. And Oklahoma City is a really tough place to play. It's right up there with San Antonio and Golden State. I mean, you look at what those teams do on their home floor, they hardly ever lose. It's really hard because that stadium, like you said, gets rocking. You make one good play. Or the Thunder make one good play, they get a alley dunk breakaway, it's on fire. They get a block against another team, it's on fire. It's really hard because their fans are so passionate about it. And I'm not saying the Mavs fans aren't, but they just get really loud because it's such a tiny arena to begin with. And that's obviously plays to their advantage and it's something that teams like the Mavs just have to work around. I think what a lot of fans kind of wanted to address was they were I think a lot of fans were kind of upset with Carlisle in the coaching department about 
You know, Dwight Powell virtually saw no playing time within the last 10 games, and Anderson did. Come game one of the playoffs, Powell goes into the game in the first quarter, and they're like, what's going on? Um, Anderson doesn't come in until later on. And then kind of in the game two, same thing. Powell comes in first as Dirk got into early foul trouble. Um, and then we saw Anderson in this, uh, the second quarter, played tremendous, uh, brought some electricity to the Mavs side. And then we didn't see him at all pretty much in the third, and he finally comes in in the fourth. I think there's just a lot of questions that Mavs fans are they're, – they're just mind-bobbled, like what's going on with Carlisle. Uh, but it obviously seemed to work as um, Anderson almost played the whole fourth quarter, really, and played tremendous. And I, I just think those are the kind of things that some of the fans are kind of questioning about with the coaching department. And what, what I have to say about that is I, I'd assume – I can't remember exactly, but it has to be something to do with the, the lineup he's throwing out there versus – the lineup that Billy Donovan has out there as to why he would throw in Powell in front of Anderson. Because I think all three of us can agree Justin Anderson is the most athletic player on this team. He mm-hmm. is the most versatile player on defense. He can guard guards, he can guard wings, he can body up down low against some of the smaller posts. I just have to assume that has to do with the lineups and the matchups, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, and I would also say, you know, Powell obviously taller than Anderson. Mm-hmm. I think right. Carlisle's he's having some issues with who his second big guy is. Um, Zaza really struggled last night. You didn't see much of him in the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really having a hard time. A, his offensive game is really nowhere to be found, and he's really having a hard time keeping those bigs out of the paint. So I think he was, you know, again, Grassman and Straws trying to figure out who that next guy is. You know, I always say the first two games, you can kind of start to, you know, after the second game, you can kind of start to see where the coach is going. You know, with Carlisle, you might have to push that to maybe game three because uh, he's always, you know, switching things around. And then again, with the injuries and everything he's dealing with, you know, I don't think there's any clear, you know, vision in sight yet uh, of where he's looking at rotation-wise. But like Garrett said, I think he's he's matching up with what Billy Donovan is trying to throw out there. And, you know, it's 1-1. So Billy Donovan lost yep. the second, you know. There you go. Next two games at home. We hope to get back with the fans after game four. What's your predictions the next two games, and what's your final thoughts uh, so far through the series? Well, throughout the series, I'll start there. First game was awful. Uh, I think I can't stress that enough. It was so, so, so hard to watch. Um, But you had to take your licks. I guess we had to figure out what we were really dealing with in a way and had to get all those missed jumpers out. Game two, gritty, I can't say it enough, gritty, gritty, gritty. That's kind of what won the game, to, uh, plus Durant shooting 7 for 33 is what I believe it was. That definitely helped, but you still got to pull it out at the end. Uh, and looking forward, for me, I, it's hard for me to believe that Kevin Durant won't be on a mission to prove that he uh, isn't washed, that he he's not bothered by... Uh, what the Mavs are throwing at him. I think he'll have a big game three. Uh, I think it'll be really tough for the Mavs to compete uh, with Kevin Durant trying to go off because of injuries. First off, that's never good, but because he'll just have that. I mean, we said it earlier. He's a former MVP. He has that mindset. He has that killer instinct. I think they'll get game three. I think we'll pull game four out of our butt somehow uh, with people coming back, hopefully uh, firing on all cylinders, really kind of feeling that pressure of, we're backing up against the wall. It's 2-1. And if they take this game, we're going back to OKC. I I think it just ends up going 2-2 again. I think we split. 
Yeah, um, again, a touch, you know, on the series so far. Um, typically, I record all the games, uh, and even if the Mavericks lose by 10, 15, I'll still come back and watch it. Let me just say that first game I deleted immediately. Uh, that one was not rewatched, um, so I just scrapped that out of the memory bank. Uh, game two was wasn't expecting the same kind of thing, but I certainly didn't expect what I saw last night. You know, I'm here for, I'm here in Arizona. You know, this morning I woke up and I had my chest puffed out, and I, I was man, I was walking proud. I really was, man. It's it one of those things where I was blown away. I even told my wife last night after the game was over, maybe an hour later, that I was like still in shock. Uh, not because they won the game, but it was like how they won the game. Yeah. Uh, it was just such grit and, and determination to uh, pull that game out in a, in a game they knew they they knew they needed to have, uh, and the way that they got it was really cool too. Uh, moving forward, uh, I'm kind of with Garrett. Uh, look, Durant and Westbrook, yeah, they're gonna go off. Um, so it's gonna be key for the Mavericks to uh, you know try to limit one of them as much as they can and, and really start showing some kind of offensive presence. Um, you know, moving forward. I, I think the Mavericks drop game three uh, and then game four, hopefully as Garrett said as well, you know, the injuries start to, you know, kind of limit a little bit more and we get maybe Berea back or, you know, Lee or one of those guys. Uh, and I think we'll steal game four as well. And I think it goes back to OKC two, uh, two. I think it wouldn't be in the worst, in the worst interest for the Mavs to push for Russell Westbrook to take over in game three and try to deny Kevin Durant the ball as much as possible. I know that sounds a lot. It's easier to say it than to actually do it. But I think he's he's obviously going to be out to prove something. And I think if we can keep the ball away from him and try to let Russell kind of dictate the flow of the game and let him do his thing. I mean, you don't want Russell Westbrook to dunk on everybody. But I think it can maybe make this disconnect between the team in a weird way. And I think that might be able to play like a psychological advantage toward the Mavs. Uh, I'm just trying to find anything the Mavs yeah. can do to slow down this team. To touch on that really too, Garrett, really quick. Um, you know, you said in the beginning of the series, um, you know, when the Thunder play, right? Because you don't know what Durant's thinking, what's Westbrook thinking. You know, are they getting along? Are they not getting along? Like, yeah. So I think it, it's an interesting strategy if you were to, to look at you know, keeping the ball in Durant's hands because you know he wants to make a point, right? right so if right. you make it look like Westbrook's trying to make a point, you know, it, you know, two two big egos colliding again, it, it could kind of work. So I could see that I could see that strategy working. Most turnovers are in Westbrook's department. He's just had that control. We saw that last night uh, multiple times, and I think that can wreak havoc for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Getting blown out in Game One stinks, but having a team that excels at getting back at it. Uh, the Mavericks are 6-1 and one this year after getting beat by 20 points or more. So I hate getting beat by 20, but I love knowing that the Mavericks always respond well. And like Rick Carlisle said, that was one of the worst defeats in franchise history. And it was pretty pathetic, and I'm glad you did delete that, Ryan. And this also marks the 15th time this season that the Oklahoma City Thunder have lost a game when leading um, going into the fourth quarter. Um, So I don't mind if the Mavericks trail going into the fourth quarter the next two games since the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder seem atrocious in that apartment. I look forward to the matchup-wise. I see that we started Sala game one, Pachula game two. Um, Who knows what happened in game three. I love that Carlisle's um, still tweaking up his system, and um, I look forward to seeing what comes in game three here in Dallas. The AAC will be rocking Thursday night for game three of the series. Tip-off is set for 6 p.m. 
Central Time. We look forward to breaking down more good news in the near future from the Triple Threat team and Mathematics staff. We thank you for listening and hope you enjoyed it. Until next time, let's go Mavs!